Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Brandon, Dave, Andy, Tristam, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, Nick B, and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you guys to know out there that you are loved, you are listened to, and you are all extremely valuable members of this awesome horror virgin family. And if you want to hear the continued saga of the Patreonicals and the other Patreon shoutouts... Check out the end of the episode where stuff got crazy last week. <laughs> There's something inside me. There's something inside me and it has to get out. I think it's the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> no control over your dog like it just sits there and pokes you the whole time we record and, and like we'll turn it off and i'll like go do something else and she'll just leave me alone she like knows i'm doing stuff and that's what it is <laughs> she legit just pulled your hand over to pet her <laughs> mikey you are her pet <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning into the horror virgin i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd which means i don't like scary movies but you guys make me want them and this week you guys made me watch nightmare, nightmare on, on elm street, street 2. 2 yeah so this is the first time i had seen this movie mikey i don't think you had seen it before either right i have seen it before in college because my <laughs> roommate honestly i feel like college is the right time for a young man to watch this movie <laughs> for reasons but mikey tell me all about you and your college roommate and your relationship it was a bunch of roommates he oh. bought the box set the nightmare on elm street box set oh, okay so i know i watched it but i didn't remember anything about it i might as well never have seen this movie before okay so it was sort of like you were watching it again for the first time oh definitely okay awesome so Paige, but you've seen this before right yes 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 i watched this with my very 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 good friend who loves horror movies movies and is also gay and so we watch this together for reasons <laughs> <laughs> well i bet i know why after having yeah. seen this movie because this movie is essentially about a woman who doesn't know her friend is gay and he's trying <laughs> to tell her the whole movie yeah i think they're more than friends aren't they no mikey if you do not realize that this movie <laughs> is about one man's journey to recognize and reconcile within himself Self, his own homosexuality it's gonna be a problem <laughs> and it's gonna be a long awkward recording too yeah i know <laughs> freddie's arc but what about jesse oh oh mikey oh mikey i honestly okay so at the end of this i want to talk about what i think is a better movie that's actually in this movie okay but i didn't hate this movie uh, it's fun yeah i thought it was interesting i thought it played on some interesting themes too like the whole he was Freddy instead of like Freddy in the first one who was attacking. I think Nancy was the final girl's name in that. Yeah. Like he was becoming Freddy and Lisa was still sort of the quote unquote final girl, I guess. Yeah. Now him becoming Freddy that this is the only movie within the series that does that. And because of that, many people think that it breaks Wes Craven's rules of the Nightmare franchise okay. where it comes into the real world. And so a lot of people both working on the production really disliked that. And a lot of fans have taken issue with that where they're like, this is not truly a nightmare movie because it does not play by nightmare rules. I can see that. I think this one's scarier because I think it's harder to tell 
if someone's awake or dreaming in this movie than the rest of them. I would argue that that's a plot problem. Yeah, I mean, to the point where I was confused half the time. Yes. But then I was like, is that good or, or bad? Then, well, I would say if it's not Freddy Krueger, then it's good and that's a really interesting movie. But because it's Freddy Krueger and we have established rules for his world, I think that's where we get into some trouble with it. Yeah, so when we talk at the end, I want to tell you guys what I think the better movie in this movie is. But it's going to play on all of this because this... I think can still be a like Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but you never see Freddy. And you only have to change one detail to do that. And we'll talk about it later. I suspect that I have already guessed what Todd's potential movie pitch is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's a little werewolfy where he is killing people. He doesn't realize it's him, but everything stays in the dream world. Now, Freddy not appearing in this movie all that much is another complaint. Freddy is only in 13 minutes of this film. And honestly, half of those 13 minutes are him just as a bus driver. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That in a bus driver not made up as Freddy. He looks like Phil Collins driving a bus. <laughs> he doesn't joke around in this movie at all. No, he doesn't, which I was looking forward to. The jokes I think mostly come in in 3. 3 is kind mm. of where we really get jokey Freddy. He had some in the first one, but like 3 is when he gets a lot jokier. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the third one, but I'm looking forward to it now. The third one is beloved. Yeah. People love the third one. This one, and I feel like kind of what you're pitching of like somebody killing people in their dreams, not realizing they're doing it. I don't think that has to be a nightmare movie. I think it could be a good movie that's not a nightmare movie. But yeah, I didn't hate this. I had a lot of fun watching it. You know why Freddy never tried to possess anyone again? Because he was tired of putting his claws in people's mouths. Well, I think I think, I think this movie makes the case of why Freddy would never try to do this again. Oh, because you could beat him easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was really anticlimactic at the end. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, man. Freddy gathers his evil power and he's like, I could do that again. No, I did not like being inside Jesse. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to do that again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking that if Freddy wanted to top again, he just needs to ease into it. Oh, yeah. Don't don't force it so much. Yeah. And also make sure you pay the toll. Yeah, you got to pay the troll toll to get into that boy's soul. You've got to pay the troll toll to get in. That's what we were missing. We honestly that's the only reason we needed Danny DeVito. He just needed to pay the troll toll and it would have been fine. <laughs> Whatever. Let's just get into this fucking movie. <laughs> we open on a school bus driving down a calm suburban street <laughs> when scratchy letters appear on the screen spelling out Nightmare on Elm Street. And then we see Freddy's Revenge. Yes. So the bus pulls up to a house and a bunch of kids get off the bus and yeah. we see inside the bus. There's kind of a nerdy looking kid alone towards the back of the bus and he's oddly sweaty very sweaty <laughs> yes throughout the whole movie what's well, not it's not just the dream world jesse's got covid <laughs> uh, the bus stops again more kids get off it stops again and then all but the nerdy kid in the back and two girls get off the bus right the two girls remaining on the bus are talking shit about him within earshot, which is- I know they're like three seats away and they're like, this kid's an idiot or whatever. Like, yeah, they're, they're being super mean. Although I sort of got the impression, maybe not in this scene, but like the, the few scenes after that, he was like the new kid. Yeah. And I, I think it's a little strange because he seems to instantly have friends. Not only does he instantly have friends, but he drives Lisa to school like on the first day of school or whatever. And yeah. like, how does that happen? 
happened. Also, she's the rich friend. Why does she need to ride to school with him and his deadly dinosaur, his car? Like, that made no sense to me. The bus <laughs> speeds past the girl's stop. And they start to scream, and it, it drives off the road into what is essentially Joshua Tree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It is like the high desert. Let me ask you guys this, though. Did you notice it was Robert Englund who was driving? I did. I did, I did too. I was like, ah, it's the professor from Urban Legend. But um, <laughs> when he shifts the gear and then drives into Joshua Tree, that's when you see the gloved hand. Right, exactly. So you know at that point that it is. Right. The girls are freaking out. The nerdy kid doesn't seem to be as worried about it. They cut to a, a shot of the front of the bus that looks like it has fangs, like the grill of the bus has like yes. a snarling face. It looked like it was in maximum overdrive. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, it's right around the same time. It's only a few years before that. Yeah. And it also is cocaine fueled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they try to get out of the bus, but the windows are stuck. They can see the ground collapsing around the bus all around them. The bus is now on the edge of a cliff. We pull back and we see that the bus sits on two giant like stacks of rocks in the middle of a smoking pit now when you say giant what you really mean is miniature set that is <laughs> very clearly a miniature they took a page out of the evil dead book and we're like what if we use hot wheels here um i think hot wheels could work yeah uh we we then cut to the front of the bus where we reveal that freddie is the bus driver he laughs and he moves towards the girls and the nerdy guy in the back. The bus pitches back and forth on the small pile of rocks. And as it is about to fall, we cut to a shot of tomato slices and what sounds like a woman screaming. <laughs> <laughs> But it's Jesse upstairs, right? Yeah, the little sister's like, why can't Jesse wake up like anyone else? Which means that Jesse has been screaming himself awake his entire life, which is <laughs> wild. Yeah, no, I know, Paige. And the parents seem like, ah, oh, whatever. It's, it's a regular thing. Which means it happened before he came to this house. Yeah, well, and also, speaking of his parents, did you recognize his father? No, I did not. It's Clue Gulager from Return of the Living Dead. What? Wait, who was he in Return of the Living Dead? So he was Bert in Return of the Living Dead. Okay, awesome. Oh. Uh, we cut up to the bedroom where... He is super sweaty, like sitting up in bed, shirtless. <laughs> he had a night terror. I have woken up in a fit of like scare like that before, and I've been like super sweaty. And, you know, I stood up, I started walking across my unpacked room, and I had to adjust my nuts. Yes! <laughs> Did you watch his bulge through the entire film? Because it happens multiple times, and it is highlighted in his, like, acid-washed jeans. Paige, how could I not? <laughs> I did not catch that bulge. Mikey, it's, it's okay to admit you saw his package. I didn't. I didn't look at his nuts that much. Mikey suffers, Paige, from what we call package blindness. Like, if UPS drops off something at his door, he'll never see it. That's true. <laughs> they have to text me the picture, and then I'll go out and get it. Is that why he couldn't see the dick neck when we did Shakes? <laughs> Anyways, he's not just sweaty. He looks like he just sat through the splash zone at a whale show at SeaWorld. Yeah. He is drenched. That is what I look like when I work out, okay? So let's, like, let's hold, let's hold these insults down working out makes sense but to the point where i'm worried that his parents aren't like we need to take you to a doctor for this perspiration problem <laughs> son you're like constantly wet <laughs> so yes he adjusts his bulge in the tidy whities then we cut
cut back to the kitchen where his family's having breakfast and he comes down fully clothed. His dad tells him that he wants his room unpacked by tonight and it is Bert from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Did you guys notice the extremely racist cereal? No. What? Okay. On the cereal box is a Asian looking gentleman. Oh, no. And the name of the cereal is Fu Manchu's. No. Why, Wes? Uh, Wes is not very involved in this film. <laughs> Oh, okay. Why person who directed the this movie? The sister goes, I'm going to find the prize. And I was like, oh my God. Well, and then here's what's so crazy. She's digging for the prize. And while she's doing it, we're getting some kind of exposition about how it's so hot upstairs. Yeah, the air conditioner's out. Yeah. So she's digging for the prize and she pulls out effectively red fingernails that look like Freddy's glove. But also, if you've ever watched old kung fu movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, it no. was just double racist. I didn't pick up on any of that stuff. I was sitting on my couch and I started the movie and I was like, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mikey, an 80s movie. <laughs> I was like, I hate rewatching these movies as an adult and noticing all the terrible things I didn't notice yeah. when I was a child. <laughs> So we cut to the front door. Lisa is there and he's supposed to drive her to school. They get into his car, which he does not have a key for. He basically hot wires his car every time they drive it. But I mean, he does point out that his car is sort of a POS and he calls it the deadly dinosaur. And he's like, no one's going to steal this. But listen, yeah, they would. Yeah, it's a sweet ass convertible. I know it's a convertible. It's a fixer upper. But I mean, someone's going to steal that. I thought it was just like one of those keyless entry models. <laughs> it's a push button start keyless entry <laughs> in 85 so we cut to school where it looks like they're i couldn't tell if they were in pe or practice no they're in pe pe that's definitely where you do archery thank you thank you I was like, <laughs> the boys are playing baseball the girls are literally shooting arrows right next to the baseball field they're on the same field yeah they're just in the outfield <laughs> shooting arrows that's not gonna hurt any <laughs> the girls have to train for the Hunger Games because there's a lot less of them than the boys. That's true. There, there's only like three girls and like twelve boys at the school. Yeah, they've got to fend those dudes off. Well, to be fair, Freddie murdered a lot of children in this town. There's not a lot of kids at school, but no one seems to remember it. That's what bog. Like, like Grady talks about it, but Lisa, who we think has lived there a while, she has no recollection of it. Her parents don't remember it and this is where i kind of started to wonder is he the new kid because he seems to know people or did his family just move to a nicer house in the city ah yeah i don't know they never answer that and they do say that nancy's diary is from five years ago but right nightmare on elm street one came out the year before this did right but it is set in 1981 the year that west yes. craven wrote okay so it, it is five years later but still you right. won't remember hey eight kids that went to our school got murdered five years ago you'd yeah. remember that that would like not just that eight kids got murdered in the first movie but he still murdered 30 people before he became the demon freddy oh that's that's true yeah you're right so there is a low level of children in this class because this is probably right <laughs> around that age that's true that's true they're just like all those kids went to a farm upstate <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually they went to this empty boiler factory of some sort <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it freddy is a lot like mikey in that he could fuck a bunch of kids up. <laughs> oh, God. He could really fight some kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but those kids aren't evil, though. So, I, I mean, 
I draw a line somewhere. <laughs> well, okay. I, I'd imagine you draw the line at, like right getting into high school age. Anything younger oh, than that, you'll no, fight. No, Anything no, no. older than that, you won't fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like, I'm like, oh, they could use a baseball bat. We can't fight that age. <laughs> Dude, they have a bow and arrow, and they're training in PE to shoot it. <laughs> Mikey, do not fight those children. <laughs> Here's a follow-up question. Do you think that they're doing archery in PE to train knowing that Freddy exists in this town as a threat. <laughs> oh, I love this. Okay, so no, I love this idea because like what we aren't watching is when this six weeks is over and they're done learning archery, they learned like hand-to-hand knife glove combat skills. <laughs> yes. Like machete throwing. <laughs> yeah, instead of learning like kickball and line dancing, they learn right. archery and how to disarm someone like you're in Mossad. Well, here's the thing. I know that in in high school in other places that archery is a PE thing. Like I realize Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Like my school didn't have money for that, but we we used to play a boarding school locally that did, like yeah. for sports, and they had archery. So like I know that it's not crazy that they would be doing archery in PE. It's crazy they'd be doing it on the same field that someone's playing is, baseball. Yes. Though. Yeah, and I do like to think that it is just a, you know, defense against the dark arts, self-defense class. (laughs) And you know what? They are going to have to replace that teacher next year. Yeah. So it is very Harry. (laughs) Guys, this movie's just like Harry Potter, really. Yeah. (laughs) It's about a boy believing in himself and truly understanding who he is and then facing the dark lord. (laughs) And coming to grips with the man inside of him. Boom. (laughs) Yes. Now, back to the baseball that they're playing. He gets pantsed, and he's only wearing a jock strap. <laughs> yes. So we get, like, full-ass man wrestling Oh yeah, for a long time in various stages of undress. It, okay, literally, they are just trying to pull each other's clothing off. Yeah. And then the teacher comes over and says, assume the position, which I thought was a weird <laughs> thing to say. And so yeah. they're like, hey, break it up. Like, stop, let's stop fighting. He does not try and stop the fight. And then the position apparently is cobra pose because uh, they're not doing real push-ups. They're just pushing up with their arms. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing. Did you guys not do that? No. Well, I planked, but planking yeah. would be on your elbows. Yeah. yeah. Well, pl- you can do a high plank, but like yeah. their legs were touching the ground. So I think they were supposed to be high planking because when we see them in that pose, the teacher is like inside looking out the window every so often to like see that they're doing it. So I mm-hmm. think they're just like half-assing it because the teacher's not there to see them. Also, the jock straps were weird because they're not in uniforms or anything. They're just wearing like sweatpants and shorts. The girls are all in their regular clothes. Yeah. yeah. So are the guys. So they're not wearing like baseball uniforms or football uniforms well, or anything I mean, like that. The guys are at least in like sweatpants, t-shirts, and shorts. You know, they don't match, but they're in. They're like gym outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Like activity clothes. You Usually you don't wear a jock strap unless it's like you're like suiting up to like play sport. Well, they are playing baseball. You don't want to take a, a well, it's probably softball. You don't want to take a softball to the package, Mikey. I know you can't see it if it happens, but <laughs> you don't want to have it happen. Well, and I, I mean, I just thought it was strange that like they're actually dressed up to play stuff. The girls are literally in their regular clothes. <laughs> no changes at all. Yeah. So we cut to the school office where the coach is smoking and watching them. Yeah, can you imagine a world in which teachers were allowed to smoke inside the school? That's 
wild. It is wild. We cut back to them planking, and Jesse says, how long do we have to do this? And Grady, the other guy, says, this could be all night. This guy gets his rocks off at S&M Places downtown, which at the time that he says this, in my mind, I was like, that could be real. It could just be a way to say that he likes causing people pain and that it's right. not real. And then Grady continues and says, yeah, he likes pretty boys like you. Then he asks, what about the girl that you drive to school? Are you mounting her nightly or what? Which I thought was a very <laughs> weird question to ask, especially if Jesse's new at school and doesn't really know Grady that well. See, this conversation is what made me think they just moved to a different house in the same town. Yeah, that could be too. And that he did know Grady. But it, yeah, if this is their first time like talking and broing out, very strange. I thought Grady was trying to find out if he was into girls or not. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of evidence to that in yeah. the movie. There's a couple scenes later, Grady reacts to something in a way that is just not really fitting the situation but does really suggest a narrative of jealousy surrounding yeah. jesse's relationship with the girls yeah i think it strongly suggests it yeah we'll get there so they hit the shower then we cut to the boys locker room at this point grady's still trying to talk to him the whole time remember they got into a fight earlier today and grady is like just keeps at it he keeps trying to kind of like make friends with him and the movie kind of initially set him up as like the bully but then they quickly have kind of a weirdly close friendship yeah it's almost like they both found each other attractive and we're just finding ways to be around each other and the way grady is finding you know staying around him is by telling him like oh so wait you just moved into that house man your dad's a fool someone went crazy and locked their daughter in the room or whatever you know he's like telling him the well, i guess he's telling him what the town thinks happened in the first movie yeah and and grady seems to be the only one that knows about it until <laughs> yeah un until later well in, in all fairness grady has failed his senior year six times <laughs> so he was <laughs> in school when it happened because that dude's conservatively 31 years old hey grady would not have fought him if he would have been paying attention and caught that ball and not gotten in the head of course you would take the jock bully side in all of this, Mikey. <laughs> I'm going to say that Grady has a vested interest in balls hitting people in the face. He basically tells him the story of what happened in the first movie. Yeah. And this is where Jesse says they're not rich, but they've moved into a rich neighborhood. So we cut back to the house where again, Jesse's having trouble sleeping because of the heat. Yeah. And he goes downstairs in what looks like, hospital scrubs <laughs> i think they were just his pjs but they do look like hospital scrubs and so much happens so fast here he's dreaming we, we come to find out but he like goes downstairs he like tries to get a, a glass of water or whatever he, orange juice yeah he breaks a jar of orange juice yeah. he like opens the fridge and is like we got some purple stuff we got some oj <laughs> we got some sunny d and then he knocks a glass over or whatever and then he sees someone walking outside and he goes outside and he sees freddie why would you go outside i don't know if you see someone outside, call the cops immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he goes outside and he sees Freddy through the outside window, but Freddy's inside the basement in that furnace thing. Which, like, I guess this is an old house, so it may have a furnace and a boiler. Yeah, but I, I guess. I was like, how many houses have a furnace and a boiler in the 80s? I mean, I don't know. And it looks like a relatively new-ish house, but... I thought it wasn't functioning in the first movie. Well, so it looks like at certain points in this movie that it is old and non-functioning. 
malfunctioning, which would suggest that this was an older house that's been renovated and they no longer need it, but it was more costly to move it. So they just left it there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that may be that makes a lot more sense, I would say. So he looks down into the basement. He sees a shadow. He goes back inside, goes to the basement door from the inside closes the basement door or like opens it looks and sees somebody moving towards the door tries to close it the door won't close because freddy's already got it he calls for his dad freddy's fighting him with the door and finally catches him and basically confronts him outside the basement at which point freddy puts one of his claws in his mouth yes (laughs) it's very strange and very sexual and it was robert england's idea allegedly and the actor was not super sure that he wanted to do it and ended up doing it and some people say that this this scene is the like crux of people interpreting this as a coming of age gay sexuality story i think there's a lot more evidence yeah i think there's a lot more than just this yeah i don't think it's just this i think it's (laughs) the whole damn movie it's pretty overwhelming to be honest yeah (laughs) yeah it is hard to miss hard (laughs) now at this point freddie says we have special work to do here you and me you've got the body i've got the brain and then he pulls skin off his head revealing his brain but there would be a skull there all i'm gonna say is if he doesn't have a skull that means that under his hat his head's just kind of like with his brain page hot take the hat is his skull that's his true weakness (laughs) like a like a snail like the hat is his shell And Mikey, his true weakness is the love of a good woman. (laughs) We cut back to the bedroom where he wakes up sweating and screaming again. And he does have a very feminine scream. That hurts, Paige. I take that personally. He does have a very feminine scream. (laughs) Wait, are you talking about me or are you talking about the actor? Uh, Both. Oh, well, that's that's hurtful, Mikey. (laughs) I mean, accurate, but also hurtful. So we cut from him waking up back to school where they're sitting through a lecture on poop i noticed that and i was like this is very strange why it's literally a lecture on poop and then the teacher to amp it up literally takes out like an animal organ and slaps it down on his desk why (laughs) jesse's sleeping through it the teacher he says it's a heart he plops a heart on the table but it's clearly (laughs) just like a steak yeah it's not a heart baby yeah it's a tri-tip or something (laughs) just like you actually see that quote unquote heart later at the pool scene when they're grilling stuff up. <laughs> How do you like your heart? Oh, medium rare. Oh, yeah. Now, this next section is baffling because Jesse dreams and we're to believe that he's having a nightmare again, but he dreams dreams that there's a snake curving around him in class trying to strangle him. He wakes up screaming and there's a real snake. Yeah. Yes. I was blown away that it was real and that the teacher had the balls to blame Jesse for a snake attacking him. Which, because here's my thing. He pulls the snake off Jesse, puts it back in its terrarium. But I'm like, so that snake is just fucking loose in the classroom? Yeah, and that's okay? And that's not the teacher's fault? Well, and like, the bully guy's laughing really hard like he did it. But no one did it, and no one is asking any questions. I know. Right. And he, like, smirks and flips Grady off. Me almost to be like, haha, good joke. Way to put your snake all over my face. But, like. (laughs) (laughs) And Grady's like, this dude's had balls and a huge snake on his face. 
he's definitely my type. <laughs> and I had questions where I was like, did did they put the snake on him, but we never see it? And how could they do that without the teacher noticing? And like, it's just very strange. Yes. So this is the part I was talking about earlier where like from the jump, I have no idea what is dream, what is reality. And yeah. I'm like, and it blurs them both all the time. Yeah. I thought the whole SNN club was a dream for like 10 minutes. Wait till we get there. Yeah. But like the snake thing starts it. Yeah. And like it, it's confusing, but also, I mean, it's like it's unsettling. So I, in some ways I like it, but in some ways I don't. Yeah. And I, I would argue that it it makes for a lot of confusion and doesn't add a lot to the plot. I mean, this is 80s Fight Club, really. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, and, and I mean, that's basically what this movie is, is, is just Fight Club with less gay undertones and more <laughs> knife gloves. And honestly, people don't confuse the villain of this movie. That's true. Like, people think Tyler Durden's the hero of the movie. It's because they don't Insane. realize that, that Chuck Palahniuk is gay and it's, you know, a referendum on toxic masculinity, but you, whatever. And, like, this movie, yes, they're like, knife glove, clearly the villain. Yeah, right? So he calls Lisa... She gets out of the pool to answer, uh, and he tries to go out to meet with Lisa. So this is he's back home after school. Yeah, and he's like trying to go outside. He like goes downstairs, like he's he's about mm -hmm. to go hang out with Lisa. And his dad's like, "No, you got to yeah. unpack that room. You told me you do it yesterday, and you have not done it. Get back up there." He's like, "I'm I only want to leave for like a few hours." He's like, "No, go upstairs," and he does. He goes back upstairs and starts to what I will say have the most interesting clean up your room slash unpack montage <laughs> here's the thing first of all most of those boxes are empty well clearly <laughs> he literally gets up to his room pops in a tape that i thought was wildly different music than i think someone in 1985 would be listening to especially a boy in 1985 because it sounds like an, an 80s equivalent of the band cherub if you've ever heard them i have not oh they're great it is an interesting music choice for sure yes well but not if you realize that he's yeah exactly now here's the other thing there's some debate about this scene where the actor claims that he only did the things that were literally written in the script. And then there are other people on set that are like, yeah, we just told him to dance however he wanted and this is how it came out. I don't know, man. He closes a dresser drawer with his butt and I feel like the director <laughs> would have had to ask him to do that. Yeah, because they have <laughs> shots of it. Like, that. that's the thing. They have a close-up of it. Yeah. Uh, so he closes the dresser with his butt. Like, I just refuse to believe that they were like, hey, uh, wh why don't you just go ahead and dance? And and then the actor on set made the choice to like boogie up to the dresser and close it with his butt. And the director was like, that's genius. Let me get a close up of that. <laughs> like I refuse to believe that that's how it shook out. I, I'm 100% sure the director wanted it on day one. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like a ripoff of Risky Business, but like in a really just not a it's definitely not as cool. So, yeah, the actor claims that it was it was written as a as a ripoff to Risky Business. And that's what it's supposed to be. I've never heard someone say a less cool Risky Business, which is not not super cool. Yeah, I don't right. think you need to quantify that. I mean, it's like instead of like the dark Ray-Bans, it's like sparkly blue glasses. It is. Yeah. This is like that video. I don't know if you guys remember this video from forever ago on YouTube, but it's like two girls about to redo the scene from Risky Business and one girl slides out mm -hmm. like achieving the Risky Business shot. And then another girl slides out and falls and hits her head. That yes. is what happens in this movie trying to copy <laughs> Risky Business. They try, they slip and hit their head. 
<laughs> well, and he grabs because he even does, and this does happen in risky business too. Uh, he grabs a pop gun and it basically is like thrusting with it as if it's a fake dick. But the difference in this movie is because in risky business, I think it's the remote control or something. Yeah, yeah, it's the remote. And yeah, in in this, it's a pop gun, and he like ratchets the pop gun and it pops almost like an ejaculation <laughs> and that's when the mom and the friend lisa walk lisa in comes in and yeah. if you notice there's a sign on the door that says no girls allowed and they break rule one it says no chicks oh yeah. excuse me sorry and he just says i i was just cleaning my room and so lisa's like i'll help so lisa comes in yeah. to help but she's asking him where things go and she just goes where does this go and it's a can of jock itch spray she throws it to him and he catches it yeah label out well i don't know if you know this half of the, the budget of this movie was for that jock itch spray like they <laughs> they paid a lot for that product placement there's actually other product placement in this movie that i, I took some notes on that is yeah. wild those fu man chew cereals were everywhere in the area <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to see another one because she asks where the sweaters go and she, he's like, I don't know. So she hangs him up in the closet. And then if you see as she goes up and where she finds Nancy's diary, there's also the board game probe, which I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming it's a twister type game. Well, I also love that she's like, do sweaters go in the closet? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, they do. Paige. That's Paige. where sweaters go. Paige, his answer was no, nothing stays in the closet. <laughs> I mean that, that would have made this a better movie So they find Nancy's diary in the closet Yes It's five years old And they start reading from it And the first oh, entry yeah. they read Is Nancy basically peeping Tom Glenn From the original movie Yeah this felt very <laughs> reminiscent of the story Mikey told in our Fifty Shades of Grey episode On Romancing the Pod Where he just took the book away from him And starts reading it aloud in front of everybody <laughs> Because that is exactly what Lisa does here and it's very 50 shades of gray yeah it is uh i don't remember nancy writing in a uh, in a diary in the first film and she's like um october 1st freddie's coming to yes. <laughs> uh october 2nd freddie's killed three people things are going real bad right again later <laughs> well, to be honest, there's some debate about the origins of this movie and how Nancy fits into it and how the director and the screenwriter interacted when making this movie. Huh. I don't remember Nancy with a diary. I don't think she had one. I think it's a plot device. But I think it's also plausible that a high school girl in the 80s would keep a diary and it just would not be mentioned. Like, I'm, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, so the diary does describe Freddie, just like Mikey said, it is like, he's coming to kill us. We're going to try. <laughs> thing tonight dear diary today i watched johnny depp get murdered across the street while my mom locked me in things are going real bad <laughs> creating homemade claymores for freddie when he comes for me talk tomorrow maybe maybe question mark as they're reading the diary it's very clear that jesse is recognizing some of the information in the diary as things from his dreams and he kind of recalls what grady told him about the girl that used to live there we cut to that night where he's shirtless, covered in sweat yeah. and tossing and turning. He wakes up and his lamp has melted. Candles and other things around his room have melted. There's a record melting on his like vanity. He goes out to investigate. He goes to the basement. He opens the door to the boiler and he sees that there's a rag with the glove inside and the fire in the boiler ignites. Which is how Nancy found it in the first one, right? Yeah. I thought I remembered that sort of scene happening. I just wanted to make sure I'm not losing my mind. Yeah. Okay. So Freddie is there and he encourages him to try, try the glove on. Jesse drops it. 
and Freddy just says, kill for me, and the fire <laughs> goes out. I'm sorry. I thought that that was such a, a strange request to ask someone immediately. Like, hey, try on this glove real quick. All right, cool. Kill for me! Like, it was so weird. <laughs> this is why Freddy... Never comes back to this because he's not a good salesman. So, like, he starts off, he's like, hey, just put the glove on. You know, it's going to be great. You're going to have fun. He, then he drops the glove and he just goes, just just kill for me, okay? God! <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give him any other information either. <laughs> the fire goes out, but the glove is still there. And we cut to the next day where he's telling Lisa that he was sleepwalking. She suggests it's a premonition. Yeah. And she asks to borrow this diary. And she tells him about a party at her house this weekend. And she kisses him, but it's a very friendly kiss. It is very much like in between. It's like half on cheek, half on lips. He looks like he's just like, oh, okay. Is that something we do as friends? (laughs) (laughs) Their kissing is like she sees a piece of food on his mouth and tries to suck it out with her mouth. Uh, That's what the kissing uh, looks like to me. What is kissing like in your life, Mikey? No, I'm saying they have such (laughs) terrible kissing chemistry. Like, like when she sees his mouth, she's like, okay, it looks like there's food there. Let me go. Yeah, but Mikey, you could also just say it seems like he's not into girls. You don't have to say that it's like she's sucking food off his face. Her kissing skills were not great either, Todd. Damn, Lisa. Mikey's putting you on blast. I've (laughs) seen plenty of actors who are not straight kiss women on Hallmark movies, (laughs) and they at least make it believable. (laughs) It's because they're good actors, Mikey. Right, exactly. I mean, these two people are kissing like they read about what kissing is and are trying it based on the book's description. <laughs> well, I, I honestly thought that Lisa made an actor's choice to kiss him in this scene and he had no idea it was going to happen. So he was like, what? What do I? What? What is this? What are we doing right now? Because that's the way he's acting. <laughs> <laughs> but even their even like their passionate kiss, it's like. I have thoughts on their actual kiss Oh, you mean where he's doing everything he can not to kiss her or not to touch her boobs with his mouth? We'll get to it. He's just super into sternum. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to him and Grady running together. And he's super into it. And they're talking about their dreams. He's trying to tell Grady about it. And Grady's like, yeah, I have dreams. Wet ones. He asked Grady, do you remember your dreams? And he goes, only the wet ones. <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross and so stupid. Like, it's so funny. But Grady, I think, is like, you know, trying to move things in a sexual direction with Jesse. I get it. Yeah. I definitely made a joke with a girl I was interested in that was sort of on the line between just straight up joke and a little flirtatious just to see how things went. And it went badly. But still, like, I understand why he did this. <laughs> I, I've been there, Todd. <laughs> Next, we cut to them shirtless in the locker room. And Grady is saying that the coach has a stick up his ass today and always, which means that they have to plank outside again. Well, because the coach was right behind him. So he's like, yeah, he sneaks up. He sneaks up behind him, which I think was Grady's plan because they just got done showering and he knew if he got caught, they'd have to go to assume the position again, get all sweaty and have to shower again. Maybe he wanted two cracks at Jesse. I get it. Two cracks at Jesse's crack. Exactly. Paige. I think this coach would have been fine. Yeah, probably. For me. 
many reasons. So we cut back to Jesse's house where his younger sister is playing with weird parakeets. Uh, yes. <laughs> Who were not established in any other part of the movie. They're just like, no. shush, the birds are sleeping. And I was like, what the fuck? Is this a dream again? Also, it's a super hot house. They're, uh, they established that it's 97 degrees inside the house, which, by the way, when I worked in retail, we closed a store for that when the air conditioning yeah. was broken. Like, you should not be inside if it's that hot in that house. You should go outside or open all the doors and windows because it's nighttime and it's definitely cooler outside. Yeah, if you don't get them out of the house, your birds explode. Th- that's what I learned. <laughs> I learned that birds, birds spontaneously combust at 97 degrees. It turns the birds mad with rage first and then they explode. Now, granted, if I'm in a place that's 97 degrees, I'm going to act like that. (laughs) (laughs) What they're alluding to is we get a sense that the birds are not sleeping. They're under like a cage cover. They pull the cage cover off and one bird is murderous. Yes. And then attacks the dad and then destroys like half the house and then spontaneously combusts. (laughs) Okay, we got to break this down because one, it's a very small bird. It is. And it's a very long scene. Uh, Fun fact. It's a a small real bird. But originally, they had made a small demonic looking bird animatronic. (laughs) What? Oh, I wish we had seen that. And they scrapped it because they didn't think it looked enough like a real bird. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it didn't. It was 85. This little canary has about as much screen time as Freddy. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's also supposed to be a nod to the movie The Birds. Really? (laughs) Yes, it turned out so badly that they wanted to just scrap the entire scene from the movie, but they couldn't because that would have put them under time. (laughs) (laughs) It is only 87 minutes long. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, short ass yeah. movie. I do like that when the bird explodes, it's not feathers and like bird parts no. <laughs> that you see like raining down on them. It's like a combination of feathers, leaves, and twigs. Yeah, and just fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was uh, the Death Star blowing up Alderaan, plus like two feathers. So now his dad wants him to try and move the oven because there's, quote unquote, a gas leak, which there's not. Uh, and then his dad accuses him of setting up the bird to die with a firecracker. Yeah. Which, like, how would that even happen? I mean, I guess he could have stuck something inside the bird and then lit it like an hour ago and i mean it's it's it, there's no way it could happen it's, it's ridiculous right I, yeah. I think it's a plausible i mean you just watched a bird explode <laughs> for no reason love. i mean like it's plausible to be like did you blow this bird up i mean that's a, that's a it's a question it's a question but he's just like you did this and i'm like how man like how yeah. but the thing is it's not a question mikey it's an accusation and he's not kate from the patrionicals he can't blow birds up with his mind what are accusations todd but just unanswered questions <laughs> Hey, Mikey, I might need you to be my lawyer at some point in the near future. So if you could go ahead and get a law degree, that'd be super helpful. Thank you so much. Bye. We cut to later that night. And again, he wakes up sweaty and shirtless and he goes downstairs in what will become his murder outfit. Yes. The blue like tank top. That's just like open. Yeah. Which like I'm I don't know why he's just constantly walking around with an open shirt sweating. But he is. God, you must hate Aladdin. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can show you your death. (laughs) The genie's Freddy. That's what this movie is. (laughs) (laughs) Who was the poo? The bird. The bird was the poo. (laughs) He killed the bird. He goes downstairs. 
lightning strikes their dishes inside for no reason it's never addressed it's never we never (laughs) come back to it we don't explain it again ever this was so insane i was like oh he's definitely dreaming so he goes out into the street again shirt open comfy jeans christian gray style (laughs) absolutely yes and he walks past like seedy motels yeah then walks into a bar called don's place and he's clearly a high schooler which again at at this point i was like he's clearly dreaming right yeah that's what i thought because also whose neighborhood like that is two blocks down from the dom club he walked from a very nice neighborhood to a seedy part of town very quickly so here's a fun fact the the front of the house is in west hollywood yeah uh, or West LA, and you could walk a couple blocks to an SNS club <laughs> from almost anywhere in Los Angeles. That's that. Here's here's the sad part. That part didn't seem implausible to me. The fact that you can walk from your front door to an SNM club is an LA guarantee. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I mean, how far do, how far do you want to walk? Like, it's four miles to the Eagle, but if you're motivated, but how far does it take to walk to the Eminem Club? Oh, Mikey, that's a delicious club. <laughs> you don't want to know where they put them though mikey in your mouth yeah not in your hand because that's where they melt mikey i just like candy and i don't know if this joke's about the same thing as that <laughs> so he shows up to don's place and just like sidles up to the bar no one thinks it's weird that he's drenched in sweat and shirtless Well, it was raining he's drenched in rain he's also in an s&m club i'd imagine they do like theme nights he might just be like a, a day later whatever Yeah, maybe. I mean, but he's also a straight up teenager. Yeah. And he's just like, can I get a beer? And people are like, yeah. And no one questions it. No one IDs him. Nothing. Here's what really bothered me. They hand him a bottle of beer and a highball glass. And he pours beer into a glass. I've never drank alcohol in my life. And I know you don't drink beer out of a glass like that. Yeah, it's you would drink it out of a, like a pint glass yeah, or something, or just out of the bottle. I'll take a shot of beer. Yeah, it's it's a highball. It's like a it's it's like what you drink scotch out of. Yeah, it's like a scotch glass. Now, from behind him, a hand claps him on the shoulder, and his coach is there. No, he claps him on his arm because he's trying to drink it. He like literally stops him from drinking it, and then his coach does what I think is his first definitely fireable offense where he takes a student to school to what i would assume is do something very nefarious with him and he's also i mean no offense he's like dressed in all leather like mr slave yeah well so here here's the thing the coach was at the snm club and at this point in the movie i was like is this a dream based on what Brady said about him earlier, where he's just filling in the blanks? That's what I thought too. And at first it does seem that way. So they cut, we cut to the school where he's making him run laps around the gym and then orders him to hit the shower. And there's smoke and then like fire. And there's like, it's all dream. It's like, okay, this is definitely, this whole thing's definitely a dream. Well, then the coach gets out jump ropes, which this is where I realized it wasn't a dream because Jesse's in the shower. We've established that he's there, but we're seeing what the coach is doing. And Jesse wouldn't be seeing that in his dream because he's not there. Right. So like, this is where I was like, oh, wait, is this real? I mean, but we know what those jump ropes were for. Absolutely. That's the second fireable offense. 
the third is that there's tons of Adidas product placement in this scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an equipment locker. And then there's just a T-shirt on a hanger. There's no other shirts. There's no reason a T-shirt should be there. It's facing directly towards the camera. And it's just Adidas (laughs) in like bold letters. And then it starts attacking him. All the equipment starts jumping off the shelf. Yeah, the tennis rackets are snapping. Balls are falling. Tennis ball tubes are like popping and again balls are dropping you might say Paige. balls are dropping uh but again this is stuff that jesse's not seeing he's completely unaware of that we are seeing so now we're like okay this is not a dream maybe question mark so then the jump rope that he got out which we have to believe he was gonna tie him up with those jump ropes and he was probably going to molest him yeah So those ropes become sentient. Yeah, they do. They tie up the coach and pull him out of the room. Multiple shower heads come on in the shower and the coach is dragged into the shower and tied up naked to the wall where he is whipped repeatedly with towels as the shower fogs up. And we see a lot of man butt in this while the towels are like popping him. Yeah. And Jesse's just conditioning over there. Oh, yeah. Jesse's just hanging out. Yeah. Then Freddie appears appears through the fog slashes the coach's back and the showers run red with blood the camera reverses and it is jesse with the glove and he screams yes but doesn't wake up and that's the key because right. i thought when he screamed he was going to wake up Me and it's just been a dream Same. but no the the police bring him home they found him wandering around the highway naked so this really happened. Yeah. And these police are terrible because they find this body the next day and they're like, you think this is related to that high school kid who goes to this school that we found wandering around naked in the highway? Nah. <laughs> no. It can't be. Upon <laughs> arriving home, his dad is like, I just have two questions. What are you taking and who are you getting it from? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not taking drugs. And the dad, the next thing we cut to is the next morning, the dad is taking the bars off the window. Which seems like when you should be installing bars, not taking them down. Yeah. And Jesse's leaving for school and his mom is trying to kind of like catch up with him. And he just says, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And then his mom goes to his dad and says he needs professional help. Yeah. He needs things that we can't give him. And the dad shuts her down. Yeah. Pretty, pretty bad. This is a pretty bad scene for mental health stigma stuff. Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. Because he says something like he just needs a good whipping or something like that. What does he say? Uh, He needs a kick in the butt or a methadone clinic. That's what it is. Oh, and he says methadone all weird. That's right. Yeah. I was like. He needs a metadone clinic. And I was like, what? I was like, that's not how you say that, Dad. Yep. So <laughs> he gets to school and the police are already there. Their gym teacher is dead. It was all real. Yeah. So we cut back to him that night. He's hot and sweaty sleeping again. He gets out. And again, we get a huge, bold shot in his tidy whities. He hears something moving in his dresser drawer. It's the glove moving on its own. I mean, it's got like a whole hand in it, too. Yeah, we hear Freddie's voice saying, kill for me. (laughs) He puts on the same clothes as the night before, which I don't know how he got them because we found him naked. Right. But it's (laughs) it's the same outfit. I think the cops returned them. They were like, we also found these on the street. (laughs) Man, is this your vest? Here's the, they would have been in the shower. That's when he got naked. Oh, that's true. So like they're crime scene evidence. So I don't. So they returned the proof that he's the murderer to the house. The mom laundered them and put them back in his closet. <laughs> or people just didn't really think through this movie all that much. What page? No. Or he's a psychopath that just has the same outfit 50 times. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> 
So he goes into what is supposed to be his sister's room, but a few things about this room. She's jumping rope in the middle of the room. There's two chairs, a shelf full of stuffed animals. There's no bed or closet. Yeah. It's just the strangest room. <laughs> I thought it was cool, though, because she was in slow motion as she was skipping the rope. Yeah. And that, yeah. Was a, that was a cool shot, man. They did that pretty well. I was like, this is definitely a dream. This one I got. This was a dream. Uh, it was a pretty... Big giveaway, Mikey. Well, I thought the SM club where he murdered the coach was one too. We cut to downstairs <laughs> the next day, uh, where he's drinking coffee and he's basically interrogating his dad, like, why did it take them five years to sell this house? You didn't know about the murder. How do you think you got such a good deal? And this is where we find out that the dad did know and yeah. was just like, I you know, whatever. I don't listen to it. Well, he's not superstitious. Well, the dad is like, There's nothing wrong with the house, but meanwhile, everything is wrong with this house. Everything's breaking. The AC doesn't work. It was ninety seven and a bird exploded in his house. Like <laughs> Everything is wrong with this house. Yeah, but he got a great deal. And I think we all know that the housing market is pretty terrible. <laughs> it's about to get a lot worse. But I do like that it establishes that they're like sort of poor and they could not have afforded that house yeah. had it not been severely discounted. So the dad's like, listen, you deal with the ghost when you buy a murder house for cheap. <laughs> Absolutely. Get out your Confederate Ouija board. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. My dearest Abigail, I do believe my affections have transferred to my friend, Mr. Grady. Dearest Frederick, why do you haunt this house? <laughs> my dearest Ronald Grady, I do not know how, if and ever, I could quit you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could quit you. Exactly. So they all smell something burning, and the toaster bursts into flames, and we reveal that it wasn't even plugged in. Yeah, because there's something wrong with the house. Dead. So he tells Lisa about the dream. She thinks it's psychic signals. <laughs> Lisa's like your friend. Anytime you have a problem, she's like, hey, have some essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> She is a little woo-woo in this movie. <laughs> She's wearing LuLaRoe in every scene. <laughs> He's like... He's like my pet canary exploded in the living room. She's like, Mercury is in retrograde. <laughs> uh, peppermint and thieves oil is really good for exploding birds this season. <laughs> <laughs> they drive to an abandoned power plant where Freddie previously worked uh, yes. because apparently Lisa's been like hot on the case this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does have the diary, right? Oh, right. yeah. So she could easily have like looked all that up. We just don't see that because we're not following her perspective. We're yeah. following his perspective as he comes of age and realizes that he's into into dudes. Yeah. Todd, that makes so much more sense. I'm like, how does she know all this stuff? Yeah. But she does have the diary. I didn't even, I didn't, it's, it's like never mentioned again. So I just like, I just forgot about it. I mean, all it would take is one scene and it would explain it. She does mention it again a little bit later, but not here. So they walk through and she's like, do you feel anything? And they see a cabinet and he's kind of drawn to it and they open it and there's just rats <laughs> in there. there there's nothing special about it except that the boiler turns on back home yes but before that happens when she goes do you feel anything he goes i feel like a jerk yeah <laughs> I was like this is ridiculous oh and she also does tell him that freddy krueger took 20 kids there and killed them all yes yeah so we cut back to the house and now we cut to his sister asleep in her bed because she suddenly has a bed now 
She wakes up and her brother is shirtless standing over her and he tucks her in with the glove. Yes. And honestly, they don't really play it for much of like a jump scary thing. It is sort of ominous music, but he just sort of like tucks her in with a glove. It's not like super scary. You hear Freddy Krueger's voice say, wake up, little girl. Yeah. Which is very uncomfortable. Yeah. He takes a bunch of pills to stay awake. Then the next morning at breakfast, he basically skips breakfast. He goes to talk to Lisa and he says, you had, she says, you had another nightmare. And he says, my dad thinks I'm on drugs. My mom thinks I'm crazy. And he's kind of just pulling away from everybody. Yeah. Uh, we cut to cafeteria at lunch they're all sitting around and everyone's kind of like what's wrong with jesse and grady turns to her, to him it was like hey do you want to maybe do something this weekend like go see a movie or something like take your mind off all the stress yeah and in my <laughs> nose i just wrote i think grady just asked him out yeah he did he did wait the best part about this scene is this where he says he's grounded because he pushed his grandmother down the stairs yes yes, yes it is <laughs> Mikey, nobody addresses it like like that's not the craziest thing anyone's ever said at a lunch table ever. He yeah. attempted murdered his grandma, and he's like shoving his face full of food, and they ignore oh all of God. that. It was so funny. And that's how we find out that everyone's going to be at Lisa's party the next day, except for him. Right. Because he tried to murder his grandmother. <laughs> he's got his own Freddy inside him. He gets kind of mad about it. Because everyone's telling him to like shut up or whatever. And so he leaves the table in a huff. This is where I was like, he just asked him out and he turned him down and he had kind of a bad reaction to it. And then he turns and he like places his hands on Jesse and he just says, see you around, buddy. And then walks away. I know. I mean, it's sort of sad. I honestly thought that Jesse just didn't understand what he was trying to say when Grady asked him out because he was like shoving food in his face the whole time. Or he could have just been like, did you just say you tried to murder your grandmother? Because <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's into bad boys. Ooh. <laughs> That's too much. We cut to the party where Jesse is sitting alone being a total downer. And this is where her parents decide to leave the party. So they put a teen in charge of the barbecue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what you do. You start a 1950s themed pool party and you like do the cooking and then just leave the grill on fire and give it to a 16 year old to manage. Which you see how that backfires because the whole backyard catches on fire and is second there's jesse and those fireworks because he's an arsonist i don't think you guys understand what the real meaning of this movie is so jesse goes to the pool house and lisa follows him and he says i think i'm just gonna leave and he again he reiterates i'm afraid to sleep he even says i'm not super into this yeah he's like i want to i want to go home he's like the guy i wanted to be here isn't here (laughs) (laughs) so this is where they start kissing and this scene is on comfortable okay so like lisa kisses him and they take a beat and then he starts to go back in and then stops and then he goes back in i really felt like he was fighting with himself like this is what society wants me to do i don't want to do it but i probably should so he like continues to kiss her yeah he is he he has her boobs in both hands like he's trying to like control them like levers (laughs) yeah and and then he just kisses down her chest avoiding her breasts almost completely and then he kind of as he moves down her body 
his tongue turns into this creepy gray serpentine kind of tongue and he just immediately is like i have to go i can't do this some chicks would be into that extra long tongue i think gene simmons has been making it work for a long time yeah. <laughs> but he like legit pops off of her grabs yeah. his shoes puts his shoes on and then immediately goes to grady's place a cute thing that was happening at the same time is all the people at the party were waiting for the parents to go up to their room and like they knew that they were gonna like get it on and then when the lights went off they're like all right it's party time and then like break out the beer and the and they they change it to 80s music i know i did like that the music was like and then dad was gonna yeah and then they turn the music off and it becomes like guns and roses light or whatever yeah and then it's like they've done that before like okay he's they're gonna go up and have sex so we're gonna be good to go down here and then like of course the dad's like well what are they doing and she's like i don't care yeah okay let them have fun we immediately cut to him at Grady's house, who is not at the party because he tried to murder his grandmother. <laughs> right. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much was his inheritance? That's what I want to know. I know. Uh, he says to Grady, I need you to let me stay here tonight. And Grady's like, you're out of your mind. Go home. And he's like, no, I killed Snyder. I think there's something inside of me. And Grady basically says, you're losing it. And then he continues and says, something is trying to get inside my body. And Grady <laughs> says, yeah, it's female and it's in the cabana. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Maybe yeah. not necessarily. I mean, it, de- it it depends on the female. If you have a female with, with a penis, sure. But like not in this case, it didn't seem to be the case. I don't want to judge. I have no idea what Lisa's got going on down there, but I do feel like Grady also doesn't really know how sex works with a woman because it's something <laughs> yeah. he's not super interested in. Well, and because he, he follows it up with Jesse says, something's trying to get inside my body. Grady says, it's female, it's in the cabana, and you want to sleep with me. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't, though. He wants Grady to watch over him while he sleeps. Well, everybody wants to feel safe. I know, right? He wants Grady to hold him and make the nightmares go away. I've been there. I get it. <laughs> well, also, Grady sleeps in the smallest child's bedroom and bed that I have ever seen for a teenager. I know. It's insane. With a leather comforter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It seems very, A, uncomfortable and also very hot. And we know he is prone to hot sweats. Like, this guy is going to wake up sweaty in a murderous rage like a bird. Yes. (laughs) Exactly like that murderous bird. Like a murder bird. Murder bird. So he watches over him. And this is the position that Glenn kind of fulfills for Nancy in the first movie. It is, yeah. Where that whole, like, watch me. So I think this movie really does kind of establish them as like, yeah, yeah. Lisa whatever but like no it is truly Grady so we cut back to the party Lisa's gonna leave the party to go find Jesse we cut back to Grady with his crazy leather bedspread and he's about to fall asleep when Jesse wakes up and calls for him he says it's starting to happen again and his hand grows into the glove Freddie's arm bursts out of his arm it's crazy it's really good effects I think I, this is the scariest part of the movie I think well, Grady tries to get out and can't. He calls for his parents and they come and they're angry because I think they're just like, what are you doing with grandma? And um, <laughs> She's still in the hospital. Jesse screams and we see Freddie's eyeball in the back of his throat. 
throat, which is a pretty cool effect. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, his chest grows a face and the glove Oof. slits it open and Freddy comes out basically wearing Jesse like a skin suit. There literally was a man inside him. Yeah. So this is where Grady's parents are yelling for him. And this is where we learn that his name is actually Ron. Yeah. Well, someone refers to him as Ronnie earlier in the cafeteria scene. But I did like where the dad was like, Ronnie, it's your father. Open the door. Like, of course it's you, dad. <laughs> I was calling for you and you're the only other male in the house. Right. Well, when he tried to kill his grandmother, they called the police. <laughs> so Freddie strangle stabs him through the door, but he lands kind of sexy. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> like he falls down against that door and I'm like, hello. <laughs> hello. I get what Jesse sees in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the parents see like the finger knives through the door. Like he gets him. Yeah. And, and in the real world. Yeah. And we reverse the cut and it's Jesse who's done all the stabbing and he is upset about it yeah this is the most upset he's been yeah about killing somebody in this movie he's like yelling at the mirror like you killed him and he's like no you killed him you killed him (laughs) and then he takes the glove off and throws it at the mirror and the mirror breaks he climbs out the window they don't catch him yeah and he runs back to lisa at the pool party he's like i need to kill more of my friends Well, he even confesses to Lisa. He's like, I just killed Grady and I killed Snyder and he's covered in blood. There would be no reason for Lisa to feel comfortable with what is happening right now. Lisa really likes bad boys. Oh, yeah. Lisa (laughs) is super into dudes that aren't into her sexually. (laughs) She likes unavailable people. Yeah. Mikey, can you relate? Not in this way. Not murder, just unavailable people. Uh, Oh, unavailable. Yes. But not because of their orientation. Right. Just because of their choices. (laughs) So he shows up at the party covered in blood. He admits that he killed everybody. And then he just keeps screaming, he's inside me, Fred Krueger. He wants to take me again. What do I have to do to make you understand me? And she's like, let's get out the candles and the tarot cards. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, it's the lover card just out of nowhere for no reason with no contact. He looks at his hands and says, I've got blood on my hands. And he literally does. And he says, he owns me. He owns this ass yeah exactly Exactly. (laughs) well freddie's the metaphor for his sexuality right i think so yes so the metaphor he said he had sex with the coach and then grady i don't know that it's that explicit but in a metaphorical way yeah i don't know that there's a real world version of that like i don't think in the real world he had sex with the coach and grady but i think that's kind of what this movie posits as far as how his sexual experience is going Well, I wish his first one wasn't the coach. That just makes me sad for him. Again, like I said, I don't think it actually happens. I think he kills the coach. Like, I think it's implied. So we cut back to the pool and it is boiling. The hot dogs are catching on fire, even though they're not on the grill. All the beers explode. Uh, uh, Paige, would you say that this party is lit? (laughs) I would. Lisa picks up the diary and reads the last page. He's evil itself. I brought him into the world. Our screams are all he needed. And this is where we realize that Freddy has locked the gate. Lisa says you can fight him. Jesse says he's coming back. The windows close. She's trying to get him to fight it, saying that he's living off your fear. Yes. It's just like Monsters, Inc., guys. That's what I learned. Pixar ripped off like their power source from Freddy. <laughs> In the first movie, this is true. It is, yeah. And this movie seeks to undermine everything the first movie did because basically the house is exploding, the fish is dying, the TV is breaking, the 
pool is boiling and freddy explodes out of jesse's body saying he can't fight me i'm him all the doors are locked right he catches lisa in the kitchen and bites her leg <laughs> she kicks him in the face i love that just for the rest of the movie she has like a scarf or chip like tied around her <laughs> ankle yes it's adorable people are boiling alive in the pool no one can get in to help her she sees a knife on the table and grabs it she screams for jesse to help freddy says i'm Jesse now kill me Lisa and she tries to stab the knife but it won't go in she pretty weakly like stabs him right yeah <laughs> and then you hear Jesse go I love you Lisa like a friend <laughs> like a friend I don't know uh, then Freddy f- throws Lisa against the wall yeah and then he like Mikey's through those French doors yeah he like <laughs> runs and jumps through them and then disappears which is what Mikey would do after he's done with a girl he would run through her doors and then ghost her yeah except usually she's the one saying I love you <laughs> mm. <laughs> Freddy jumps out of the ground in the middle of the party and kills a bunch of people I yeah. was super surprised because I thought the, the scene was was done me too because mm-hmm. like the, the the boiling stops the fire stop and it was like no freddie like pops back up he's like no i'm here to kill everybody i was like oh great (laughs) hooray her parents finally run downstairs all the kids at the party are trapped and on fire or being trampled and stabbed yeah lisa's alive but she's been through a lot uh this (laughs) is where we get a cut to probably one of my favorite shots in this movie where freddie just throws a pool chair yeah yes He's just like, fuck this pool chair. Oh, man. Okay. So, <laughs> really funny. So one of my favorite parts of this scene is where the guy starts walking towards Fred and he's like, it's going to be all right, man. No one's going to hurt you. Just tell us what you want. All right. And then he like the guy says to Freddie, I'm here to help you. And then Freddie goes, help yourself, motherfucker. And then <laughs> yeah, kills yeah. him. Well, he, he tosses him through the barbecue. Yeah, it's insane. Like, why I would you talk to part. this guy who just... I love that He just part. apparated like he's in Harry Potter, another Harry Potter reference, and he starts murdering people. Why would you go try and, like, talk him down? <laughs> I loved it. I love I loved, that's my favorite part of the whole film. Hey, man, let's just take a breath here. Because it reminds me of, like, work. He's like, yeah, I know. Mikey, I thought of you. I was like, this is what Mikey's job is <laughs> emotions are running high and it's freddy krueger <laughs> and he's like i'm just here to help how would you help freddy krueger <laughs> i just thought it was so funny Freddie declares you're all my children now yeah the dad comes out with a gun lisa tries to stop him from shooting freddy because she thinks jesse's still inside there and freddy walks basically away from the party and just explodes into flames. He walks through the fence, but he becomes fire as he walks into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, Lisa decides that she knows where to go, so she's going to drive to the abandoned boiler room power plant factory place. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is where she goes, yes. And she encounters two dog-baby hybrids. They are dogs with really poor baby masks. It's real strange. There's no context for it. They don't appear in any other movies, and they're just huge. Yep. Question mark. And they don't do anything. She just walks past them. They might as well not be there. It's almost (laughs) like they're the blockbuster dancing baby. Just like, yeah. Yeah. She walks around the factory. There's creepy swinging hooks and she can hear the scratch of the glove on the pipes. Yeah. But the pipes are turned on. So she accidentally burns her hand. Uh, She unwraps her bandage and there are ants in her leg, which is really, really super gross. Yeah. And she looks 
back down and the bandage is still in place, meaning it was a dream. Yeah. As she continues to walk through rodents of unusual size, I don't think they exist. <laughs> and they don't because this is a regular sized rat. It's the same rat from before. It's just now Freddy rat. Freddy uh, rat. But then it gets pounced on. Yeah. Yeah. She trips. She screams. She gets up. She tries to run, but Freddy is right there. She runs, but it's a dead end. Wait, you guys are really skipping over the fact that the Freddy rat was killed by Freddy cat, and then they both just run off? Wait, there was a Freddy cat? Yeah, I didn't see the Freddy cat. I thought that was, that's what I thought the R-O-U-S was. No, the regular rat was scaring her, and then a Freddy cat jumped over and killed the Freddy rat. (laughs) Oh, that makes a lot more sense. It was like the old Freddy who swallowed a fly going on. (laughs) Oh, jeez. There was an old Freddy who swallowed a rat. I was totally expecting the baby mass dog to come kill the cat. And I was like, what is happening? Oh, that would have been awesome if Freddy dog. Like, So if the rat gets eaten by the cat and the cat gets eaten by the dog, did the dog get eaten by a baby? And that's why it's a hybrid. <laughs> Who knows? So she trips, she screams, she gets up. Freddy's right there. She runs, but it's a dead end. And she basically starts trying to talk to Jesse inside Freddy. And yeah. Freddy just keeps saying, Jesse's dead. There is no more Jesse. I'm Jesse. He's me. We're Freddy. Call me by my preferred name, please. Fressy. Fressy. <laughs> or Jenny. Now, she seems to get a little confidence where she says, I love you, Jesse. And Freddy starts to bleed. She starts to run away, but then she turns and says, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. He's in there and I want him back. I'm going to take him away from you and you're going to go straight back to hell, you son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm picking up the metaphor more now. Yeah. This is the part of the movie that I think is a little problematic. Yeah, a little bit. The first time I watched this, I just thought it was Freddy's fear of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> so she keeps trying to get him to come back. Freddie is losing his grip. Freddie keeps saying he'll die with me. And Lisa gets closer and closer. She takes the hat and then she makes out with Freddie. Yeah, that seems like something Robert Englund was like, yeah, well, well, what, what, what if we like kissed? What if we kiss? Can we kiss? <laughs> with, and cool? yet the kiss had more chemistry than her and Jesse's kisses. It did. It did indeed. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, There's a storm. The factory catches on fire. This looks like it was filmed on the backdraft ride at Universal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it's all just like pipes where there's like fire along the pipes. And you're like, how did it? And you can, they do close ups. You can see where they put the accelerant there. And you're just like, what? What is happening? Does Freddie say something about killing himself or Jesse does or somebody? No, but he's clearly weak and losing his grip. He screams, he catches on fire, and his face starts to melt off. His whole body catches on fire, then the fire goes out. And then she kind of keeps her distance until he gets up. And it's clearly Jesse breaking out of like a burned Freddy shell. Yeah, he's like pulling the Freddy shell off of him. Yeah, this is where I think he has come to grips with his sexual orientation because Mm. she runs over to him when she sees it's Jesse. And they don't kiss, baby. He's like side hugging her. Yeah. Like he puts his head in between her head and shoulder. So there's no chance of a kiss. So we then cut to him going back to school and his hands are badly burned. Yeah. But he gets on the bus. He sits next to Lisa. And I'm like, he killed their classmate and their school teacher. Yeah. No one has questions. And there are a bunch of people at that pool party. Right. Yeah. Like, even if he didn't kill them. A lot of people died this week. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be on the bus. And honestly, 
maybe they should cancel school for a bit. Like some people are gonna have to process the, some feelings. Well, and the the friend that's sitting behind them was like, "Great party." <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if she's kidding or not. I don't know. Well, this whole sequence, I think, is a dream. Yeah, so it's a bumpy bus ride. The bus yeah. is going too fast. Jesse is freaking out about it because Jesse has PTSD, PTSD baby. Ladies. <laughs> they assure Jesse that it's okay. And then the girl who leans over to be like, nice party. Freddie's glove just comes through her chest. Oh, and that jump cut is pretty bad. Like you can very clearly see the jump cut. Yes. And the bus drives off into Joshua Tree again. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's the movie. movie. Roll credits. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about the movie? I had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> I think this is one of those horror movies that is not very effective at being scary but is pretty bonkers and therefore pretty fun to watch i'm actually really excited to eventually do three because everyone loves three yeah that's dream warriors right yeah mikey what do you think about it oh i super super enjoyed it i thought it was (laughs) great i love the metaphor i thought it was it kind of reminded me of shocker yeah do you do that kind of like in tone of like it's kind of darker than the original i think yeah it's pretty it's pretty dark man yeah but also not scary and also kind of silly and also kind of bonkers and it kind of just hit all those things for me the metaphor is interesting i think yeah i liked it a lot i thought it was great i don't think it's that scary at all i do think had they changed it to where jesse was one of the kids that freddie took and then he got away. He was like one of the ones that got away. Ooh. But because of the stuff that he had to go through and because he hadn't like worked his way through it, he becomes the serial killer like Freddy. And then it's not ever dreams. It is very much that he is sort of dealing with his sexuality, but also the trauma that he experienced as a child. And then over the course of his friendship, only friendship with Lisa, he decides to sort of get help. But I really do think it's a better movie if there's no dream there's really no freddy and it's really just him processing through the trauma and coming to grips with the sexuality i thought that that would be cool i feel like you you could make that movie and have it be an awesome movie and have it not be freddy krueger well i think that's a movie you could make and at the end you're like holy shit the guy who took him was freddy krueger like you just you never know until the end when you get like the okay. final flashback that it was like Freddy nightmare Kruger. expanded universe. basically. Yeah. where it's yeah. like it's not truly a, like a sequel. It's more like a split. You don't realize it's a part of the unbreakable universe until like the very last scene. Like, mm. that would be a cool way to do this movie. But you wouldn't call it Nightmare on Elm Street 2. But I think that would be a really interesting movie. Yeah. If I had to remake this movie, I think that's where I would go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that could be really cool. Well, do you want to get into fun facts? Let's do it. Let's get into those fun facts. This movie <laughs> came out less than a full year after the original movie came out. That is so fast. So now, bec- I want to... Touch on it up front because we just talked about it last week. So the original glove from Nightmare on Elm Street was used in this movie, but also in Evil Dead 2. Uh, And it was in Evil Dead 2 because uh, they had put Evil Dead on the television screen in Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Right. And so it's kind of a back and forth between Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. However, Wes Craven didn't direct this movie. So there's not a like... There's not an Evil Dead reference in this one? There's not an Evil Dead reference in this one. However, Wes Craven had the glove 
and loaned it to the people making Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and meant to loan it back to Sam Raimi for whatever he was going to do in his next film, but it was lost on the set of Dream Warriors. How do you lose Freddy's glove? Well, it was eventually found in 2009 by a fan of the franchise at an auction. Oh, you mean that fan stole it like in 1988 and then just tried no, no, to no. sell it? I mean, that fan went to the auction and was like, um, I think this is the original Freddy glove, bid on it, won it, and then they did confirm that it was the original glove. <laughs> that is like that is like when you buy a painting for 50 bucks and find like a Van Gogh under it. Yeah, exactly. So let's get through some really quick ones and then cool. we've got some kind of longer uh, more in-depth ones. So the two push-up scenes, the blank planking scenes are the same footage. It's just recycled yeah. twice in the movie. Well, they're wearing the uh, exact same uh, clothes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the opening sequence, and we kind of touched on this, is Robert England without Freddy Krueger makeup as the bus driver. Both times. Yeah, I figured it was either Robert England or Phil Collins. I couldn't quite tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the only nightmare film in which the lead character is male. Yeah. I, I, I thought that that was really cool. He's sort of like your final guy. Yeah, we yeah. don't get enough of that. We're underrepresented in film. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, Mikey. <laughs> Fun fact, their first choice was Michael J. Fox. Really? But, yes, but because of the tight shooting schedule of the movie, he was unable to do this movie because he was busy doing Back to the Future and Teen Wolf that same year. Yeah. So Robert England has actually stated that this movie is his least favorite because it breaks Wes Craven's rules. Here's a, a weird one for Grady. So Robert Rusler, who's the uh, actor who plays Grady, auditioned on the last day of shooting Weird Science because he was in Weird Science. Oh, no shit. And his good friend drove him to the audition, that good friend, Robert Downey Jr. What? Yes. Wasn't he one of the bullies in Weird Science? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when Lisa finds Nancy's diary while helping Jesse unpack, she reads the address as 1428 Elm Street. The address of the actual house is 1428 North Genesee Avenue in West Hollywood. They actually showed the outside of the house and you see the 1428. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's the actual address of the house. Can you just like go take pictures in front of it and stuff? Like do people yeah, actually yeah. live there? Yeah, people live there. I mean, th here's the thing. Throw a rock in LA, you'll find a house where something was filmed. That's fair. So, you know, th this one is probably not as popular. It's probably not on the tours and stuff, but yeah. yeah. So... As I mentioned, they had originally created a demonic parakeet puppet, uh, but it was not used because they wanted a more realistic looking bird. I want a puppet cut. Someone find me the puppet cut. It sounds like that that plan was poorly hatched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mikey, I love you. <laughs> Wes Craven refused to work on this film because he never really? wanted or intended to have a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. He didn't want it to be a franchise. And he actually wanted the first film to have a happy ending. He also didn't like the idea of Freddy manipulating the protagonist into committing the murders because this is the only film in the franchise where Freddy kills his victims outside of their dreams. Yeah. Even though he's only on screen for 13 minutes of the 87 minute runtime. Now, during the scene where Jesse is setting up his room and they're reading Nancy's diary, the one where he, you know, does the risky business dance. Yeah. He wears a light yellow button down shirt with large black cross shapes. In 2019's It Chapter 2, Richie wears an almost identical shirt. Although Richie's shirt is a slightly darker yellow button-down shirt with small red cross shapes. 
the writer and producer actually pointed this out because it was a specific touch. It was noted that similarly, both characters' arcs involve the subtle revelation that they are closeted gay men, which in turn is used against them both by Freddy Krueger and by Pennywise, respectively. So both, yeah, and they are both the second film in each franchise. So it was kind of a nod to this movie. That's great. All right. So let's get into the bigger themes of this movie now. All right. uh, Screenwriter David Chaskin deliberately wrote his screenplay to contain homoerotic subtext, but he didn't tell anyone. And the man who directed this movie, Jack Shoulder, was completely unaware of this as he started filming the movie. (laughs) Really? Yes. And... He did not like the first Nightmare movie, so he actively sought to kind of switch things up and change it. Oh, my God. So he willingly kind of went along with the story, and the makers of the film initially denied this until the screenwriter came out later on, after the film was complete and had screened and had been out for years, and admitted that the subtext was intentionally written into the script in order to give the characters more depth and the actor who starred in the movie mark Patton, who has his own documentary about this movie on i believe it's on shutter right now called yeah. scream queen which yeah. is great is openly gay now but was closeted during filming and was unaware really? of this during filming wow okay okay cool now the film was extremely well received in europe because they believe that the subtext was like meant to be there they're like <laughs> of course He's gay. And the overseas popularity actually saves New Line cinema. This movie (laughs) saves New Line because New Line almost basically went under if this movie wasn't successful. And the success of it in Europe is the only reason that it survived. That's amazing. It basically was big enough to get them cash flow. And in the following years, they basically made as many sequels as they could because it was a cash cow. Yeah. This basically turns them into a profitable studio but because they weren't sure if that was going to happen the head of the studio was on set for this movie constantly and micromanaged it to death to the point where he and the director hated each other (laughs) and he kept trying to like lower the budget and rush the production so this was released on november 1st of 1985 the original was released november 9th of the previous year so not even a full year that is so fast there's a documentary about all the nightmare movies called never sleep again uh robert england basically says during filming there were times when almost the whole cast was like fuck this movie and the, ma- <laughs> the main one was uh the pool sequence where freddy appears to teenagers outside their dreams and kills a bunch of them and he says he really struggled with it because he felt like it was going against wes's rules yeah now there's one more note a lot of people have questioned why this movie doesn't continue the story of Nancy because she does survive at the end of the first movie. So rather than continue the story of Nancy, the movie focuses on new people in her house. In the Never Sleep Again documentary, Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy, was never called for this movie. She wasn't offered a chance to reprise her role. That's insane. No one even contacted her to tell her it was being made until it was basically out already. There had <laughs> (laughs) never been any internal discussions at new line about bringing her back 
And it's been posited that the screenwriter and the director's new concept of Freddy, which was possessing someone in the real world versus killing someone in their dreams, seems so different that they didn't think bringing Nancy back would make a lot of sense. And the only reason that that concept makes it into this movie is because the director of this movie disliked the first movie so much. Why would you hire a director that hates the source material? I think maybe to get back at Wes Craven for not doing it. Yeah, but that's such a gamble with your studio. Like, that's insane. That's Tom Petty right there. It is. <laughs> so Robert England almost didn't come back for the sequel. Um, he didn't like the script and they got kind of mad at him. And so he actually asked for more money to come back as Freddie. And New Line was like, well, fuck it. We'll just get somebody else. So they hired his stunt double from the first movie <laughs> to play Freddie. But apparently the replacement was so awful and walked around like Frankenstein. They literally fired him and paid the extra money for England to come <laughs> on set, even though he's only in this oh. movie for 13 minutes. That's just like Halloween, too, because Jamie Lee Curtis is all over Halloween one. She's in Halloween two for eight minutes. I mean, it's not right. eight minutes, but it's, it's so short because she's like asleep through the majority of it right yeah and those are our fun facts well thank you so much for your fun facts do you guys want to do some box office yes please noise all right so what do you guys think the production budget was for freddy's revenge i think with the amount of because this is all practical effects there's no cg in this i'm gonna give this at least 20 mil oh okay mikey what do you think 10 the production budget of this movie was $3 million. Good. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. For $3 million, this movie looks amazing. I agree. I think they did a good job. And that, that's $85. That's $3 yeah. million in 1985. So if you adjust for inflation, like... It's like $10 million. Yeah, so it is like $10 million today if you adjust for inflation. But here's the thing. You couldn't, for $10 million, make a movie that looks this good today. That's amazing. Yeah, it's they really good. They did a great job. They yeah. did do a good job. Anyway, so it came out on November 1st 1985 like you said Paige during your fun facts and it was fourth the week it came out it was beat by Death Wish 3 to live and die in LA Jagged Edge and then of course Nightmare on Elm Street was number three and it beat Back to the Future yeah although Back to the Future had been out 18 weeks right yeah yeah exactly and it just barely beat it <laughs> Back to the Future that had been out 18 weeks made $2.4 million in that week. Nightmare on Elm Street that, that same weekend, its opening weekend, made $2.8 million. That's actually oh. pretty good. It's, on I mean, that's almost making back its entire budget. In oh, the first yeah, weekend. absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you yeah. already you already let us know that it made money because you, one of your fun facts is that it sort of yeah. saved New Line. I only yeah. have its domestic box office results, but it made $21.1 million domestically, which if you adjust for inflation is $54 million. Dang. It also, so it did okay here. It did amazing overseas. Yeah. And I don't have those numbers, but I have to imagine it's at least probably double what it made here so that's our box office numbers you guys want to do scary scale oh. yeah let's do it mikey yeah all right so a scary scale is the scale of one to ten of how scary we find the film at the time of watching it's not a quality of the film ranking but it is how scared we were right today watching it right our one example is ghostbusters and our 10 example is texas chainsaw massacre give it to me todd i'm gonna give it a one i didn't think this movie was very scary at all page one for me as well. And a one for me as well. 
<laughs> so once all around, I did think it's a good movie. I think it's worth watching. I definitely do understand why people don't like it because it does break the rules that are established in the first one. But I think one of the reasons I like it is because in my mind, he was one of the kids that got away and he's just like dealing with his PTSD and Freddy's actually never there. But I realize that that's not what is happening in the movie. No. Yeah. That's not shown in the movie at all, but that's fine. There is some debate <laughs> even around the, homoerotic themes in the film where you could read this as a, a boy coming to grips with the fact that he is homosexual and accepting it yeah but there's also a reading of this film that is a boy being afraid like so afraid of being a homosexual that he's killing people over it and the only thing that cures him and quote-unquote snaps him out of the thing that's inside him is the love of a good woman is a love of a good woman which is really not great especially because this comes out in like the peak aids epidemic that reading is super problematic and that's one of the reasons i don't love the ending of this movie yeah but i yeah i I can see why people don't like it for that reason too i can see the metaphor being problematic i think i think the movie is goofy enough and 80s nostalgia enough where like and i guess this is one of those franchises where i don't like i'm not super invested in Mm -hmm. it's not like game of thrones where i will bear that cross until i die that i hated how that that ending was but uh like with this i was like oh they changed it up it was neat yeah all right so this week you guys made me watch nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge what are you guys making me watch next week next week we are watching insidious 2 (laughs) i'm legit terrified because insidious really scared me Insidious 2 is almost worse. I'm, I'm so sorry. Insidious 2 is, is pretty scary. Uh, but but return of horror daddy Patrick Wilson. Oh, yeah. okay. He's officially been in one fifth of the episodes we've done, I think. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Uh, watch Insidious 2 for next week. So, Mikey, do you want to read a review for us? Yeah. Well, while you look up in a review, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is simply to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, or really just their podcast app now that they've updated all their software, and leave us that five-star text review and make it something fun so Mikey can have a little fun reading it to us. Mikey, you ready? Oh, we got some good ones this week. We're yeah. getting a ton of reviews lately. Uh, I'll do this one. Ashley Jello. Oh. With a J. Yeah, Jello's always spelled with J. Uh, it could be a silent J. It could be... Ashley, hello. Ashley, yellow. <laughs> yellow. <laughs> uh, she, she or he says, uh, they, my, they say my latest <laughs> obsession. Oh, that's very sweet. I absolutely love this podcast. I don't blame you. Todd and Mikey are great and super funny. I loved Jen and now I love Paige. Oh, that's fantastic. They made their- oh, thank you. <laughs> They made the transition so smooth and fit page fits right in. Agree. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. I've listened to almost all episodes over the last month and can't wait for more. That's like 130 episodes in a month. That's a lot. That's insane. I mean, thank you. Well, we appreciate that, but that's amazing. I'm not, not judging your life in any way, but like <laughs> definitely join the Facebook group to get yeah. to interact with Todd and Mikey. Uh, they're super active in the group and he even responded to me a few times. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, five stars. <laughs> yeah, I, we absolutely do. Like, I try and respond to everything, although it's so big, it's hard to see. Like, there are hundreds of posts a day sometimes. So I'm like, oof, yeah. I, can't, I can't see all of these. But, yeah. I mean, we do try and respond quite a bit. I want to do this review because it ends with, I love all three of you, but Mikey is my favorite. Well, do it oh. next week. When, uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ashley Jello, for that amazing five-star review. And thank you so much for joining the family in the Facebook group. We appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Yeah, Nick B. Uh, Nick B. Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, he has some sh- he has some fall show recommendations. Oh, does he? That's a harder sentence to say than I was expecting. <laughs> 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 He's been rewatching Buffy, and he really enjoys it. Buffy the the TV show, uh, and it's his fall Halloween recommendation TV show. I like it. Well, nice. I've I've never seen it. I may I may have to check it out. This episode also brought to you by Ori. Ori. And Ori, like, is such a good friend. They let me, like, I was losing my mind, and I was just trying to get away from Natalie for a little while, and they let me come over to their house and sleep on their incredibly small, like, armchair, and I amazingly (laughs) fell asleep on it. I don't know how I did. I'm not sure if they made it through the night, but we covered that a few minutes ago. Uh, So thank you, Ori, for letting me crash on your, um... Whatever that was. It's like an oversized armchair. Yeah, it's like a chair and a half. (laughs) Yeah. We now return you to another episode of The The Patrioticals. Because we're in the Old West. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) Holy shit, Mikey. I forgot. That's so funny. Okay, Mikey, let's do it. They're in the Old West, and everybody wanders into this like stereotypical Old West town. Nice. What's it called, Mikey? It's Deadwood. <laughs> is Al Swearingen there? Al Swearingen's my favorite character in, in any media ever. Okay, so it's not actually Deadwood. It's actually Tombstone. Okay, is Wyatt Earp there? Yeah, he is there. <laughs> so he comes out to meet them, and uh, there's only room in this town for one sheriff. It's him and his deputy Andy. Andy Earp. Andy Earp. Our <laughs> new Andy. He doesn't have a last name because he's a Patreonical member. Okay, and then. Uh, Wild Herb is like, who's that blue man that you, why is that man blue? He's making fun of Karun, you know, because Karun's an alien. Oof. Yeah, I, you shouldn't make fun of someone who's got blue skin. Yeah, so then Tristan shoots and kills Wild Herb. What? <laughs> that escalated very quickly. That yeah, seems they're... like an overreaction, but I'm not going to question it. <laughs> Tristan hates so... blue man group racism. <laughs> 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 and then uh andy gets really scared uh and he he runs off and gets the other other people from the town they come out to fight everybody right at the time matthew and matthew are evil matthew are having a conversation where matthew does not like evil matthew and he's like you're you're gonna go i'm the original matthew you're gonna go by matthew r for matthew rude matthew rude yeah for rude matthew name. okay yeah uh-huh. and then he's like i'm not friends with you don't talk to me <laughs> Call me rude, Matt. Matt, can you get it up? Call me rude, Matt. Matt, are you rude enough? Take it. Okay. So, so, then, so Matthew R becomes friends with Isaac. Well, he's a cannibal. Yeah, evil Isaac. He did it all the bad. He did some bad stuff. Yeah, so they're, they're becoming friends because Isaac's like, look, these people are pretty like, ugh, like straight edge, and I, don't, you know, it's not super fun. I'm glad you're here. They don't like it when I eat people. <laughs> you seem like a fine young cannibal to me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried eating people? Have you heard the new the good news? Have you heard the? So he's proselytizing for cannibalism. <laughs> it's a yes, you cannibals. Yeah. knock 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 do you have time to talk about your lord and saver sorry (laughs) all right so then um andy comes back with like a posse from the town and uh eddie starts talking to all the horses and gets the horses to throw them off the horses so he gets all the horses to buck them off yeah they're like what Uh, the buck (laughs) buck you man (laughs) kate decides 
before they got her, they, she decided to fly up in the air because with her telekinesis to see like where they were. And uh, so she's flying around scouting out. And, uh, you know, Tristan's like, can I just kill all these guys too? And then uh, Isaac was like, I'm going to eat one. So they, they all start attack <laughs> Like all the people who of questionable morals start attacking the... Uh, the posse. I like how Isaac just opens up about it. He's like, listen, guys, I'm going to eat one of these dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so he just jumps on the first one and just tears into him like a zombie attack because he's like, doesn't even cook it first. No, he hasn't eaten in a long time. He likes human tartare. Yes. Yeah. It's like sushi. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but wild herp was a snack. <laughs> he is now. <laughs> and so... So Dave, he tries to attack them and he gets shot like 14 times and he dies. Well, yeah, he's not 50 cent. He passes out and dies again. He's just dead. Wait, he's died twice. He regenerates, but he's kind of useless with everything else. He's like Wolverine. <laughs> if Wolverine was like really shitty. Okay. Does one of them yell, you killed Dave, you bastards. <laughs> uh, no, no one yells that out because that would be too easy. <laughs> That's what they call low-hanging fruit, Todd. <laughs> evil Matthew tries some evil flesh, and then Sasha was like, "Guys, if we don't kill one, he could teach us about the old west. We could teach us where we are, or whatever." So they're like, "Okay, whatever." Sasha's and smart, so end man. Up, <laughs> she's pretty smart. I, I, I do like how Sasha has a good idea, and all the men are like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, man, whatever, whatever." Yeah. Well, Matthew's pouting because he doesn't he doesn't like the old west, and he doesn't like everybody being kind of evil, and he and he doesn't like any of this. So he's pouting at the side. So everybody listens to Sasha. She made this a very good argument. You guys, I can't even describe how good the argument was. <laughs> it was so good. If you were there, you would totally love it because it was the best. K. Rune also dips his finger in a person's blood and tastes it, but he does not like being a cannibal and decides he will never taste human flesh ever again. Well, that's good. Okay, so then Andy comes to and they're like, look, man. We're stuck in the old west, and we just killed like your whole town accidentally on purpose. <laughs> we need you to come with us as a prisoner and, and like show us where we are and all this stuff. Kate flies back, and she's super pissed because they've killed all these people accidentally and reprimands them. And we apologize to Andy, and he's like, "Well, you know, it's my whole life, and that was my brother." And he's they're like, you know, and they're like, "Oh, it's, it's okay. Uh, we're just gonna we have to get back to our own time." And he's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" So then they decide to explain to Andy everything that's going on. So Andy's the one town's member they leave alive. No, just the, out of the posse. Most oh, of the town okay. is alive. I thought like they legit went to the town and murdered the town. No, no. It was like like eight dudes. Yeah, just the people who came after them. Yeah. So uh, Eddie talks the horses into taking them wherever. So they just steal those horses and they, uh, they're they going to use those. Okay. So they just they horse up and they leave? Well, I mean, Kate comes back and she's like, look. We're stuck in the Old West. What should we do? They're like, we need to find a place to hide out, not in this town where we just killed eight people. So they start heading for uh, like an old gold mine. So they're going to go in there and talk it out. And that's where they're going to that's where we're going to leave the episode this week. OK, is Isaac going to turn Matthew R into a life of cannibalism? Is Dave just Kenny from South Park? Now that our party is full of outlaws, what will the future hold in store? Find out next <laughs> week on another episode of The, the Patrioticals. We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you would check out their shows at consequenceofsound.net. If you want to check out our website, go to horrorvirgin.com, where you can see links to the merch store and all that great stuff. If you want to follow us online, we are at Horror Virgin on all of our social accounts. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter and at Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok, if it still exists. Mikey yes. yep. is at M Randolph24 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I am at Todd J Awesome on Facebook, Instagram. 
Instagram and Twitter. And we three have another podcast where we do pretty much this, but for romantic and romantic comedy movies called Romancing the Pod. And we would love it if you would check that out and give that show a five-star review as well. Seriously, it's hilarious. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Paige is also on Black Card Rehab and, of course, the Cult Podcast, which is so great. Both of them are so great. Uh, And uh, Mike and I don't do anything else, so that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for us this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it spooky. (laughs) Have a great week. Bye. Consequence Podcast Network.